make their way wherever we are. No. Sammy's extremely annoyed by the dogs today. They just don't let me sleep. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Got a nice nap in. That's true. But I had, like, they were out in the living room with you and I had to close the bedroom door. <laughs> I had to, like, yell at him, like, bear, come back here. Don't go. Yeah. She's like, why are you yelling at me now? <laughs> it's fine. How was your week? It was probably the longest work week ever. It was long because it was like a, a four-day week, which is our long week anyways. But uh, my name change went through, which meant they had to like change it for work. Because like your legal name has to be on reports, things like that. So... <laughs> It was, like, one big, like, coming out to everybody. Yeah. And it was super just overwhelming. But other than that, it was a good work week. It was super busy, so. Yeah, we had good calls. Mm -hmm. Kept us busy. Yep, good calls. And then we hung out with some friends on our first day off, which was fun. Nope, second day off, which was, was fun. fun. And other than that, it's been really good. Yeah. Just chilling. How was your week? It was the same. I mean, I didn't have a huge coming out, but I was like, like you were seeing one side of it, like dispatch and stuff. Everyone was asking me questions and stuff. It's exhausting, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it depends on who like asked the questions. I'd be like more forthcoming and more like honest with the answers, but other people, I'm just like, you're just asking because you just want to know my business. Mm -hmm. You don't care. So yeah. it was hard to like balance like what to tell people. I got a lot of that. A lot of people get, like, really, like, inappropriate with it because they don't understand that the boundary when asking certain questions about people is the same. Like, just because I'm identifying as X, Y, or Z, it doesn't mean that you get to ask questions that you wouldn't normally ask, like, a coworker. <laughs> right. They're so dumb. That's another thing is, like, when you come out. As, like, whatever, gay or trans or whatever, like, everything you do from that moment forward is because. is that. It's mm -hmm. because you're trans, because you're gay, because you're a lesbian, like, whatever. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. People are insensitive. Yeah. Or they, like, overstep and try and help. And it's like, I didn't ask for any help. You're just, ugh. I don't know. Anyways. Anyways. I had a great idea for this week for our true crime conversation that we would go on the FBI's website and look at the most wanted lists. Did you do that? Mm -hmm. Oh, you actually found somebody that you liked? Yeah. Oh, I thought you did like some other thing. I did a different thing than we talked about. Oh, okay. So my idea was to go on the most wanted list and find one person, whatever, and talk about it. So that's what we did. I... I'm talking about a missing person, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go first. Dope. Her name is Donita Wilkerson. Oh. Donita, I have, like, no information on her. This case literally just happened last year. So, like, the information that I had was, like, local newspaper articles, mm. which didn't give me, like, backstory of, like, this right. is how she was raised, and, like, this is what happened, X, Y, Z. Do you ever wonder how you get that information, like... Documentaries that, like, actually interview families? That yeah, That's fair. Okay. I can't interview her family. Yeah. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to be, like... be, like, a whole... Yeah. I feel like it's just such a fresh wound, and I'm not, like, a newspaper reporter. Yeah, you're just a podcaster who's, like, a dispatcher who's, yeah. like, from middle of nowhere. 
Yeah. So I just would feel bad, like, reaching out because it's like, I can't offer them any hope. Like, I don't have a major platform, so. You're like, nope, I just want to put you on my podcast. Yeah, which I feel like is kind of. Yeah, lame. Yeah, super lame and just really using them. But I figured I'd tell her story anyways. So the amount that I do know is that Donita was born on March 14th, 1976. Donita's family describes her as strong, funny, and has a heart of gold. She is a mother of six. Wow. I know. It's crazy, and it just sucks that I can't give a history as to, like, oh, this is when her first child was born, this is when her second, I can't do any of that. All that I know is that her youngest is um, 15-year-old twin girls, and her oldest is 22 years old, as of last year, I believe. Okay. Um, So, in 2020, Donita was 44 years old, and... This is Sunday, June 21st. It was Father's Day, and she was in Evansville, Indiana, where her brother lived, and that's also where she lived. On this day, she was at her brother's house hanging out, whatever, and then she says, okay, I'm going to go. I'll be right back. And then she was never seen again. Hmm. So, Monday, the next morning, around 9 in the morning, her phone was shut off. And family members thought that this was odd because she didn't call her mom, which she does every morning at five in the morning. And then she also didn't contact her twin daughters like she normally did. So I don't know if there was like a custody thing and her daughters were with somebody else at the time, or maybe she was spending the weekend somewhere else. I don't know what the story was, but she contacts her twin daughters every morning all the time. Okay. Which They were like 15 at the time. They were 15, okay. so they were in high school. Okay. Assume, presumably. Right. So, the twins were actually the first to mention that anything was odd. They were just like, Mom didn't, like, reach out to us, so... That would be weird. Yeah. yeah. If, especially <clears throat> teenage girls realizing mm-hmm. that, and, like, they're, like, worried that their mom's yeah. not reaching out right. to them. If I was a teenage person, I'd be like, oh, thank God my mom's not talking right. to me today. She's getting <laughs> the hint. Yes, right? Yeah. So, the family then, after the twins brought that up, contacted police, and they reported Donita as missing. Pretty much the next day. The police reached out for help from the community. And then, which we see often now with social media, the police department there posted about missing person. Like, mm-hmm. with any information, please call. And then, obviously, family members are usually using social media. All of these things. But there, they, there was nothing. They were like, she just disappeared. Weird. Isn't it? So... In July of that year, which was just a couple weeks later, detectives met with the family to fill them in about what they had learned and all this stuff. And they, like, filled them in, but were like, uh, there's some things that we can't tell you just because it's an ongoing investigation and can throw the case, blah, mm. blah, blah. And they were, like, frustrated. <laughs> so Donita's aunt, named Julia Womack, said that Donita had been through a lot and she's a survivor. She's not perfect, but she's ours and we just want her home. So it's, like, during, like, press conferences when they're Mm. trying to find her. And then Detective Dexter Wolf confirmed with Dateline that Donita's case is still open and they're following up on tips and leads whenever they get them. So at this point, it's been a couple of weeks and they're kind of like, well, it's cold. But if you have any tips, hit us up. Sure. So in August, so a month later, hundreds of people went to an event called Show Up for Donita. This event is to raise awareness and to get funds for Donita's family to continue the search and hopefully find Donita. They're hoping to raise enough money so they can offer a reward for any leads that are helped yeah. to help find her. Right. Um, and according to an article by the 
WSILTV.com website for Channel 3 News. I'm assuming it's like a local channel. They posted this on November 12th of 2020 at like 11 o'clock at night. And they said that the family was offering $2,500 for a reward. So they got some kind of money. Yeah. But obviously that's not as much as they would probably have hoped. Mm-hmm. So Julia... um. Donita's aunt and other family members have obviously put up posters and they've also purchased two billboards to help find her. Julia has gone like an extra mile and studied missing persons cases and how these cases are handled, hoping that she can make a difference for Donita's as well as other families that are going through the same thing. And other family members claim this is where things start to get a little bit like the family is like, this is, I think, what happened. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'm trying to show you some evidence of what some right. foul play. Okay. So, Family members claimed that days before Donita disappeared, she was getting weird messages from possibly an ex-boyfriend. One of Donita's aunts named Nora Martin remembers a few of these messages that said things like, quote, I'm going to get you. I'll kill you and they'll never find your body. (laughs) Fucked up shit. So, as well as other, like, derogatory names and threatening things to the safety of Donita's children... A friend of Donita's talked to a local newspaper, courier, and press that Donita had called her on her, or sorry, on the 21st, before she was last seen. So it was the same day before she was last seen, and she had called her, Donita called her friend saying that she was scared for her life. The friend wants to be anonymous because she's afraid of retaliation, which is a common thing besides, yeah, yeah, it's like all of her friends basically want to be anonymous with all this information. Another friend states that this particular ex that everyone's pointing to has been in jail several times for beating her. And no, right, but I could not find names for this person anywhere. And according to the newspaper article that I read about the, I think it was a local article, police haven't named any suspects, so they didn't want to include names, and they wanted right. to, like, protect those who were sure. it's innocent until proven guilty. Right. Isn't that kind of, like, slander? Yeah. I don't think they wanted to get no. sued. Um, but anyways... Not until you, like, formally name people, you don't want to... Right. And so the police officers weren't naming them, so I don't think they wanted to do that for them. But in the same article, they found court records from Vanderburg County in 2009. And in that year, 2009... I'm sorry, it said 2009. It's 2019. For some reason, my brain is telling me, like, there's no reason... There's no way cases happen this close to... (laughs) So I'm, like, trying to push it back. Did you hear me at the beginning? I tried to say 1919. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Um, So in 2019, four of those incidents with that man, he got arrested for domestic violence and battery incidents with Donita listed as the victim. Hmm. Um, One of those particular incidents, the man was convicted for knocking Donita to the ground because she refused to withdraw money from her bank account for him. What a piece of shit. Right? Yeah. And then in a statement, Donita said that she, I'm sorry, that he had also thrown her out of the bed, spit on her, and choked her out. And then another incident, he he was accused of hitting her in the head and face by, like, punching her, but also hit her in the back of the head with a lamp. Ow. Please. I know. There's even proof in one affidavit that Donita had said that the man wouldn't allow her to leave and threatened that if she left, he would send people to kill her kids. And after Donita sustained serious injuries after one of the incidents, officers responded out to the hospital where she was recovering and took her statements, which was reported in another affidavit. So, 
It's just kind of crazy because there's all these paper trails. But anyways, Donita states that she was assaulted over several hours at her then-boyfriend's house, and he threatened her with a knife, but eventually ended up injuring her in the head by hitting her with her perfume bottle and also injuring her left shoulder and arm. Donita tried to get an RO, a restraining order, a protection order against him, but it was dismissed because she missed a scheduled hearing. Bummer. Super bummer. Which I think... When it comes to, like, our domestic violence laws, like, all of these incidents happened, and, like, like Colorado law, I believe, is that if there's a case of domestic violence, there's automatically an RO put in place, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it kind of sucks that she had to, like, petition for one with all of this evidence, and just because she missed a court date. She has six kids. She has, yeah. like, a life that she's, like, taking care of. Yeah. It there's just definitely sucks. some middle ground. Like, I think Colorado's... TV laws will absolutely gut a person if you get accused of it. But then you see states like this where they do nothing. nothing. It's yeah. like, let's find something that, like, really does the job. Right. But at the same time, even with, like, in Colorado, we see dudes who catch warrants for this shit all the time. They just don't care. Yeah, people that have, like, they multiple restraining do- orders against each mm-hmm. other, but yeah, they get out, go back, and do it all over again. Yep. It sucks. So, in the year span or so that these four incidents happened, three of them were eventually dismissed, and the court ended up having no contact orders by between Donita and that male, eventually, after everything had happened. The family eventually learns that this male had quite the record in Illinois. He apparently has four previous convictions for DV or battery in two different counties between 1987 and 2009, as well as four other women having filed restraining orders against him in those exact same counties. Wow. Um, so family of Donita states that she had changed her phone number a few weeks leading to her disappearance. She probably thought that that would stop him or whoever was harassing her, but it just made things worse. Yeah. Mm. Donita had such a paranoia that something would happen to her that she told family and friends that if something did happen to her and... Uh, quote, unnamed man and a family member, quote, end quote, did it. And a family member? Yeah. That's weird. Isn't that super weird? Adds, like, a whole new Yeah. But I couldn't find anything else that people were like, oh, yeah, Uncle Tommy did it. Right. But I couldn't find anything. There's no Uncle Tommy. At least I hope she doesn't have an Uncle Tommy, and if that's the case, I did not mean to. (laughs) That was just the first name that came to my mind. Anyways, January 18th, 2021, so the beginning of this year, one of Donita's daughters, Kiara claimed on her social media that her mom had been murdered. So a local radio channel got a hold of this, and they were My 105.3. They contacted detectives about the claims, and the chief of police of Evansville said, quote, I just spoke with our detective office, and we have nothing new on our end. I'm not sure what this is in reference to, but... I know our detectives are in close contact with the family, so we will find out if they have any new info, end quote. And that's it. Wow. There wasn't any follow-up or anything that I could find about that. So then February 23rd of this year, eight months after she disappeared, police finally released photos and surveillance of Donita in a possible vehicle that she was last seen with. Hmm. This pissed off the family because it took them eight months to get this information to the public. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they stated that officers had had this information since July. So seven months ago. But again, this is considered the last known photo of Donita before her disappearance on Father's Day, as well as, like, the last leads or anything. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about that. There's a 
vehicle in the footage. It is a silver or pewter colored 2004 Chevy Suburban with tinted windows and a sunroof. Donito was last seen getting into this vehicle from a motel. The police contacted the owner of the vehicle, but he has not, or I'm sorry, they, I have to be vague. They haven't been cooperative. Unfortunately, the location of the SUV is unknown, but officers believe that it is or had at least traveled to southern Illinois. That is because apparently law enforcement was able to at least track the SUV driving through southwestern Indiana and then into southern Illinois, but I have no idea what happened after that. Hmm. Then uh, that day that she was caught on footage was on June 21st, around 8 at night. So, much later that day, she yeah. had gone missing since the last dinner at 9 in the morning. Right. A family have come out saying that one of the two people Donita stated she feared was the owner of that vehicle. At this point, Please. Donita has been missing for almost a year, so we hope that law enforcement or family members find something soon. This is literally all the information that I have. Wow. They, like, have been contacting this person that owns this vehicle, right. and they are not cooperating. They have no idea if he even, or I'm sorry, they even have the car anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I think your cover's blown, babe. I know, right? <laughs> it's fine. I can edit it out. But That's wild. So is there, what's the reward for info from the FBI? Is it 100000 That's generally what it is for info. I couldn't find anything on the wanted poster. All that has on this wanted poster is what I'm about to tell you. Okay. <laughs> In case you see Donita, she is a black female, five foot three, about 145 pounds. At the time of her disappearance, she has brown eyes and black curly hair. She was last seen wearing a red. A red. <laughs> she was last seen wearing a red St. Louis Cardinal shirt with cut-off jean shorts and dark socks with polka dots. She has several tattoos, most notably a heart on her lower back, praying hands with the name Timmy on her upper right shoulder, and a cross on her upper left shoulder. Anyone with information can call Evansville PD Adult Investigative Unit at 812-436-7979 or the tip hotline at 800-78-CRIME, which is 27463, or you can call the FBI Indianapolis Police Office at 317-595-4000. That's it. Sick. That's intense. It makes me sad. Well, because you know it was that guy. You know it's him. It was that guy. Sorry. But it until they guy. can get the evidence of the, whatever the SUV has, mm-hmm. he probably ditched it in some lake or something. Bad. I don't know. Illinois and Indiana. Indianapolis? Indiana? Indianapolis is the capital of Indiana. Those states over there confuse <laughs> me. Let me tell you something I hate. Hold on. I need some whiskey for Okay. This. So I went to a college in kansas mm-hmm. it was in like a small town and then next door it'd be like i don't know like a 10 minute drive from the town i was in mm-hmm. was a town or i guess city that was spelled a-r-k-a-n-s-a-s arkansas you would think it's arkansas city huh is it arkansas it's arkansas it's arkansas they call it ark city arkansas city that shit pisses me off pick one <laughs> Welcome to America. Good lord. Um, are you ready for a really crazy story I've never heard about? Yeah. I, too, don't have a ton of information, but it's bananas. Yeah. So I'm going to be telling you about Robert William Fisher. And just to start off, any info of his whereabouts comes with a hefty, hefty uh, sum from the FBI. So I'm going to be telling you about Robert William Fisher. Mm-hmm. Never heard of him. In 1961 in Brooklyn, New York, his mm-hmm. 
parents were William Fisher, who was a banker, and his mom's name was Jan Howell. Mm-hmm. He has two sisters with whom he went to high school with in Tucson, Arizona, and his parents divorced in 1976 when he was 15. According to friends and relatives, the divorce was bad, um, and it was really, really tough on Robert and his siblings. He reportedly talked about it with his co-workers at the Mayo Clinic Hospital, and one time he confided to an associate that life would have been different had his mom not left the family. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of his childhood. His adult life, he enlisted in the Navy and tried to become a part of the SEAL team, but was unsuccessful in budge training. He worked as a surgical catheter technician, a respiratory therapist, a firefighter, and was an avid outdoorsman, hunter, and fisherman. And he married a lady named Mary Cooper in 1987. He was described as a cruel and distant control freak towards his family, having once turned a garden hose on his wife after he thought she backtalked him. Swear to God, if you ever do that, I would be Garden hose? You would... You would be so mad if I did that to you. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, the norm for him. That was the norm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The couple fought about sex and money with Mary taking a job that she told friends was a security fund in case he bounced. He was embarrassed that his son Bobby didn't like to hunt or fish just like he did. And one time he tried to teach him and his daughter Brittany how to swim by throwing him off of a <gasps> boat. Not just, like, in a pool. Like, throw That's off the boat. That's not how that works. That's how people drown. Mm-hmm. His hunting partner, Sandy Gillespie, said the kiddos were crying and Brittany was screaming and he pulled them back on the boat and he said, now there, how's that? To them. Without actually teaching them how to swim. He just tossed them in, scared them, pulled them back, and yelled at them. <sighs> so... That's fucked um, up. But nonetheless, Fisher tried to hold on to an image as like a very devoted family man, which we saw like in the John List case. Yeah. And this ends up having a lot of similarities to that, which is weird. Mary's mom, Jenny Cooper, told investigators after all the events I'm about to tell you about that he didn't socialize often with family because of a fear of getting too close to people and losing them. Which is weird. Like, I'm not going to go to Thanksgiving because I have this deep-seated fear of losing people I get close to. I think that's just called life. And you just kind of learn to, like, live in the moment. And appreciate people while you do have them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know everyone's going to die sometime. Yep. Whatever. Yep. Fisher, like I said, had been an outdoorsman and a hunter since he was young. Friends noticed him exhibiting disturbing behavior on hunting trips and other outdoor occasions. In one case, he killed an elk and began smearing its blood all over his face. On another occasion, he snuck up behind a family that was picnicking and gun into the air. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, he was also an active participant in Scottsdale's Baptist Church's men's ministry, but he had begun to withdraw from these activities a few months prior to the incident. In 1998, the Fishers went to the senior pastor for marital counseling, and Fisher told co-workers about a one-night affair he had with a prostitute that he met in a massage parlor. So, (laughs) that was kind of the air that was their, um, like, all their neighbors just give all kinds of accounts of them, like, verbally fighting it out, everybody knew about it, and just, it was a mess. So, shortly before... The events I'm about to tell you about, he told a hunting companion that he was renewing his commitment to his faith and marriage because he could not live without his family. 
possibly hinting that he would consider suicide over divorce. Again, a lot of, like, John List vibes yeah. going on with this guy. According to psychologists, an intense fear of loss is not unusual for an individual traumatized by divorce while an adolescent. Um, in the weeks before her death, Mary told several friends that she was going to divorce him, and he was aware of that. So, on the morning of April 10th, 2001, an explosion ripped through the family's Scottsdale home. Boom. Boom. Um, it burst into flames, and inside, firefighters found the bodies of his wife, Mary, his 12-year-old daughter, Brittany, and his 10-year-old son, Bobby. Based on physical evidence, the police basically figured out that the night before, Robert waited until his family went to sleep, and then he shot Mary in the back of the head, slit her throat, and then Brittany and Bobby's as well. Oh my god. He then disconnected the house's furnace from the gas connection and used a candle to rig the house to explode the next morning, and it went off hours after he had already left town. What a douche. More gasoline was placed in the bedrooms to make sure that the crime scene would be destroyed. Um, and he hasn't been seen since. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Investigators think that he's a man with many faces, which makes sense. Again, John fucking List. Although he looked from the outside to be a loving father and husband, obviously the marriage was what I described before. And detectives knew this from pretty much everybody that they talked to. Like, yeah. anybody that knew the family, like, anywhere below that surface level knew that it was shitty. Um, again, Mary was thinking about divorcing Robert, and on the night before the murders, they were heard arguing just after returning home from Brittany's induction into the Junior Honor Society. Oh my god. Police believe that Robert's motive was the divorce, because he didn't want Brittany, he didn't want to put Brittany and Bobby through what he went through when his parents divorced. So yeah, let's kill them. Yeah, Let's right? slit their throats Makes and sense. kill, oh my god. Makes a lot of sense. A few days after the murders, authorities thought that they had him cornered in a small cave near Pace in Arizona after Mary's SUV and their dog were both spotted by a camper that was out there by the cave. However, they used, it's basically like a rover camera, but it's built for sewers. So it's Mm -hmm. built to go through sewers, but police were using that. And they took that out. And they explored the whole area, and he just wasn't there. And now they think that he planted it there as, like, a red herring. And while they were investigating over here, he's all the way over here getting the fuck out of town. Some believe that Robert killed himself. He told friends that when Mary kicked him out, he had gone to the woods and contemplated suicide. That was during one of their fights. Like, she would kick him out sometimes. And they think that he might have gone through with that after the murders. However, others, including the police, believe that he is alive and created a new identity. He's been indicted for the murders of his family. He was, again, just some demographics. Born April 13th, 1961. He's 58 years old. Um, six foot one, weighs 190 pounds, has blue eyes, brown hair, surgical scars on his lower back. Um, he should be considered armed and dangerous should you come upon him. And it's worth noting that this case first aired on the June 18th, 2002 episode of FBI's Most Wanted. It was also profiled on America's Most Wanted and The Hunt with John Walsh. But he still has yet to be found. I think it's a hundred grand is the reward for any info. Any good info. Real info. So that's Robert William Fisher. He gives me like John List mixed with 
Josh Powell mixed with Savi, yeah. DuPont, du- De Lagones yep. vibes. Yep. Also, I think it's very interesting about all these family annihilators that we talk about that end up living after they do the deed. Yeah. Like, isn't it some crazy statistic where it's like 1% of family annihilators don't kill themselves mm-hmm. or something like that? Yeah. And it seems more common than that based off of like... Based off of the fact that we've had, like, three Three. cases yeah, (laughs) have done that. Obviously. Yeah. I think those probably stand out, though. Yeah, and that's probably what makes it more interesting to us. Yeah. Bananas. There you go. I hate that. Yep. I hate it. Me, too. A lot of people think, because he was so good, like, with outdoorsman-y stuff, that he's just, like, living in the woods. Or he was for a time and then started a new life. But who's to say? Never I can see him crown, in bud. the Rocky Mountains chilling out oh, here. Oh, right? Just go yeah. get a cabin? Heck yeah. Easy. But. That's FBI's most wanted. Yeah. That was interesting. It, it Two is. Two things I've never heard of. Me either. And I feel so bad. I, I hate missing persons cases. Yeah. Especially ones like that where it's like there were signs of de- domestic violence that could have led to her disappearance. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The only people that knows are her and whoever, whoever else was involved. Yep. But, like, the person with the SUV isn't cooperating, so that's huge red flag to me. But yeah, that's a clue. I don't know. It just sucks. I understand the family's frustrations with, like, a law enforcement. But if they knew who the owner was, why would they need to make that public, you know? That'd probably make them run off. Yeah, exactly. So. so I don't know. I think certain things that um, civilians think about are different from things that, like, law enforcement thinks about. Yeah. And I think it's just a difference in perspective and understanding yeah i think at this point they're just trying to see if anybody saw yeah the car anywhere yeah so if you're in the illinois slash indiana area and you saw a car like that which i feel like it's such a common car yeah uh, it's hard to say but i wish they gave a license plate with it right but what people pay attention to license plates us yeah it's fine well there you are anything else there you are I don't know. If you have any information, obviously, tell somebody. Yeah, don't tell us. Uh, tell the FBI, please. Yeah, we. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not telling the FBI for you. No. I'm not going to do third-party information, because you know what they're going to do? They're going to be like, oh, you don't, you're not directly yeah, involved? Not I don't care. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. whatever. So, otherwise, um, you can catch us on Instagram at Who Knew Podcast. You can email us at whonewpodcast666 at gmail.com, or if you're feeling thrifty or not, um, I guess that's not the right word. If you're feeling fancy, frisky, frisky. If you're feeling frisky, uh, you can Oliver. find us on Patreon, mm-hmm. and we have some merch, stuff like that. But. Yeah, if you guys want us to do more of these most wanted episodes, let us know. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a good way to like bring awareness and then also like learn something new. Totally. Not like a typical like 2020 yeah. case that everybody knows yeah. about. Like, hmm. Although 2020 has been bringing up a lot of cases I didn't know about. Like the one that we just watched yep. that I want to cover so bad. Mm-hmm. That looks good. Yep. Anyways. All right. That's it. Oliver, say bye. Bye, Ollie. He's like, I'm not going to talk right now. <laughs>